Awesome. Dear Heavenly Father, you are gracious and you are good. I pray that as we approach an issue that is challenging, both theologically and for many of us personally, that you would guide our words as we explore them today, um, that you would give both Santi and I um, the words that people need to hear, whether they're words of comfort or words of wisdom. Lord, you are with us and you are glorified by all of the different experiences that people in your body have. And the fact that we come together and we are united and that we all are rooted in our identities in you. Um, Lord, thank you so much for everything you have given us. Thank you for sending your son to live the life that we couldn't live and die the death that we deserved, that we might know what it means to be reconciled to you, to be loved and to love you, and to have the hope of eternal life with you, God where we get to find perfect union and be who we were created to be. Lord, I pray that our, our talk today would just be rooted in the essence of the gospel. And I pray that it would reach those who need to be reached. Mm. Um, thank you for Santi. Thank you for this church. And thank you for all that you are, Lord. We worship you and we adore you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, welcome everybody to another episode of the Well College Podcast. Uh, the intention with our podcast is... Uh, you know, just to create another venue through which we can connect faith with life. And the end goal of our college ministry is that we would prepare you so that whenever you leave to go, uh, more like whenever you graduate, that you would have uh, some sort of tools, you know, to be able to pursue, you know, the Lord, so that whenever you jump into the working world, um, you feel prepared to face it. So that's kind of the end goal over here, for us to connect faith uh, with life. And with that, what more than, you know, what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, this is, it's a haunting topic in many ways. Not because we fear, you know, the sensibilities that are around it, right? But because we, at least for me, I fear misrepresenting the heart of God. Then mm -hmm. the heart of Jesus is so often misrepresented. And when we do that, we, I think we do a disservice to him. Uh, so uh, today we're going to be talking about same-sex attraction. Uh, that's, the, that's the topic for today. And I wanted to first give you just some lead into you telling us, you know, a little bit about yourself, like where are you from, where do you go to school, like what's your major? Yeah. So I grew up in a little town outside of Dallas called Flower Mound, Texas. Um, I was born and raised there, and I went to a public school for the first few years of my life, then went to a private school after that, um, and then I was exploring colleges, and my mom actually uh, really encouraged me to apply to this 
little school in West Texas called ACU. That's right. And I was like, man, I'm never going to end up there. Like, I want to go to a school in a big city. I want to be in a bigger environment. Um, what were the other but, schools that you were considering? Man, I considered Baylor and A&M. And, oh, in uh, Texas. I, I, I applied to a school in Arkansas as well. Like, um, they, I was convinced that I was going to go to one of those. And just over time, I realized that through a whole variety of reasons, God was leading me um, towards ACU. And so when it came time to make my decision, I ended up here. And so... I came here, I knew I wanted to be pre-med, and so I uh, I knew that right off the bat, but what I didn't know, after orientation I found out, wow, you can actually like major in anything you want besides that. Oh. And so I came, I came here and I decided to study English and be a pre-med student, which is a little unorthodox, but I love reading and I love writing, I always have, um, and so, that was that decision, and then uh, about a semester later, I realized, wait, there's not actually that much work required beyond pre-med in order to earn a biochemistry degree. So now I uh, am in my third year, on track to graduate on time with a biochemistry degree and an English degree. And so I've been at the well since my very first week here. I did a lot of the church hopping thing growing up, and then the well immediately felt like a home and just boom. Dude, that was was the day the first uh, day that you were here was the first day that we met. That was the first yeah crazy that was that crazy. was it was so random dude. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember you walking up to me and being like, "Hey, my name is Santi. What's your name?" Uh, what's your phone number? Let's go grab coffee. And that was like before I even had a chance to say what my name was. Yeah, dude, I, I still do that a lot. I'm, 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 I'm realizing that it sounds a lot more creepy than it goes in my head. It, it's, I don't know. There's somehow you make it welcoming. Um, okay. Yeah. It, I, I was, I think I was a little intimidated, but it was fine after that. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, you and I have been meeting on a weekly basis virtually ever since then. So I've known you for Two and a half years. Two and a half years. I can't believe you're a junior, wild. dude. Yeah, dude. Gosh. But then also, I'm a college leader here. Um, mm-hmm. I've helped put together the college night, and I'm currently a small group leader. And yeah. Would you want to tell the details on that in case anybody wants to jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the well has some currently college GCs, and um, especially aimed towards freshmen because one of the hearts of the Wells ministry is multi-generational ministry. And so I lead a college small group Mm -hmm. um, that's geared towards prepping uh, students who aren't freshmen um, to enter into a multi-generational GC. And so I'm actually a part of a multi-generational GC though. So I'm currently the youngest person in a a gospel community with about um, 20 or 30 people uh who are in their like 20s and 30s which is on the younger side but it's been just a wonderful source of community and i'm excited for other college students to experience some of the things that i've gotten to experience in community in that environment just Mm because it's a beautiful thing yeah it is a beautiful thing Of that journey that we've had in these past 
you know, two and a half years, um, has been having about the conversation that we're going to have today. Yeah. Um, and part of it, you know, this is for the audience, but we didn't really know how to have this conversation other than just hearing your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. I just, yeah, I just <laughs> wanted to start by um, asking you, uh, would you mind walking us through, you know, how's, how this struggle has, you know, played out in, in your life? I mean, the first time I talked about it with someone, it took me like two hours to kind of explore that. But uh-huh. uh, I, I promise it's not going to take that long today. Um, but, you know, I, I I guess going all the way back when I was 12 years old, all of my friends were starting to develop um, romantic feelings because we were all like hitting puberty and... Um, yeah, just doing, undergoing the changes that you undergo at that time. And a lot of my guy friends were um, starting to get like really attracted to girls. And um, then I realized like, that's not quite happening to me yet. And I don't really know what's happening there. I don't know why that is. Maybe I'm just going through a phase. I don't really know. Um I look back now and understand a lot more in retrospect kind of what some of those developing feelings were. But I mean, puberty is a confusing time for everyone to begin with. And so um, I had absolutely no clue what was Mm -hmm. going on there. Um, What I did begin to notice is that instead of starting to notice other girls, I was actually starting to begin to notice other guys. And I grew up in a culture and in an environment where, um, I mean, we didn't really talk about these things. Um, We didn't really talk about same-sex attraction from a Christian angle. And so mostly I, the the messages I heard were um, being gay is wrong and Oftentimes as well, unfortunately, uh, people choose to have those feelings. And if you're a Christian, you don't have those feelings. Um, and so I, my, what was going through my head for years was, well, I, they're not going, these feelings aren't going away, but I'm also not choosing to have them. So I'm just going to shove them as deep as I can, and I'm just not really going to think about it. And... Um, that had a whole number of effects, but it especially affected my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you can't hide anything from God. And so this became actually a source of separation between me and God, where instead of understanding that God is a, is a real person and that he is holy and that he is more than just an idea, I just kind of intellectualized him. And so I got, really comfortable learning a lot of answers about biblical things, but I never actually spent time trying to develop a relationship with Jesus Mm -hmm. because that was more comfortable for me Mm -hmm. and a lot easier and a lot less terrifying than having to confront like the things that I was struggling with in my life. And I did that for years and years until finally um, I went through a whole number of different experiences where God kind of just pulled the rug out from under my feet in a whole lot of painful ways. Um, I kind of what did that look like? I 
Um, or what do you mean by that? That's right. Yeah, it, it's kind of like um, I, I had built my entire understanding of God and who God is and my relationship with God on sand. And he took a wrecking ball to that and was like, you need to actually start over and build this on rock. Um, and what that looked like was um, understanding that up until that point, I had been kind of picking and choosing which parts of the gospel I actually wanted to acknowledge and wanted to follow because that was easier for me. And so I uh, eventually reached a point where I couldn't run from dealing with these feelings anymore. I couldn't just bury them as deeply as I could. And I was confronted with the reality of I have to bring these before the feet of the Lord because like I have to lay lay these things at the feet of the Lord because God is real. That that was just a struggle that I, I couldn't just bury anymore. Mm-hmm. And God used some very painful experiences uh, relationally and emotionally in order to kind of lead me down this path of um you can't just do this on your own strength anymore mm-hmm. you need me mm-hmm. we, we throw around the term born again christians to refer to this idea of we, we die to ourselves and find our new life and our new identities in christ and so the gospel demands everything of us and so this isn't just that, that's actually why I, I kind of pinpoint when I became a Christian at around 17 years old instead of like, oh, I grew up in the church because I didn't understand that before that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I came to the understanding that God is holy and God is demanding that I give everything to him, at the same time, he gives us new life when we do that. And so God sometimes can use those, those experiences, those extremely painful moments um, in order to draw us closer to him. And that's just a part of living as a broken sinner in a broken world. And that applies to everyone because we're, we're, we all struggle with things. And so, um, yeah, and since then, like, it took me a long time to actually begin talking about that with someone because I was worried that I'd lose my place in the church when I finally acknowledged, like, I'm struggling with this and this isn't going away. This isn't a phase. Um, there was a long time where, like, I really was convinced, like, you know what? I'm going to find a girl and I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids one day and I'm just never going to really think about this ever again. Um and that was also something that I kind of wrestled with for a long time because, uh, I mean, I'm not attracted to women. <laughs> and so, um, but I ev- I eventually reached a point where I realized that I had to talk about it with people because we're we, as Christians, we have to struggle with things in community. And so I, I determined for better or worse, I'm just going to talk about this with someone. Um, and then I finally started opening up to people and I've had some good experiences with that. I've had some painful experiences with that. But at the same time, I, I 
God has used each and every one of those moments to deepen my understanding of who he is and to deepen my understanding of what it means to live a life as a Christian who has mm-hmm. surrendered everything to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of been my journey with that. That That's a little bit of a shortened version. Mm-hmm. but And there, there are a lot more other details that I could explore there that we might even explore at, at later on later. today. So, okay. What was it like, you know, the first time that you told someone how what was the outcome of that like how did i how mm-hmm. did that pan out so i the first time i talked i talked about it with someone i talked about it with a, a with a close friend of mine um who i'd known for a few years at that point um and i'd actually made up my mind months in advance that yeah this is going to be the person i'm going to tell this but also alongside that, I was terrified that I would, I would tell them that and that it would destroy, the, destroy that friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really stuck in my head. And I mean, I was incredibly fearful. And, and so it took me a long time to actually get to the point where we sat down and we started talking about it, and um, man, I I just remember like crying as I was telling him, like just kind of pouring out for the first time, like all of this pain and this struggle. And I mean, all I wanted after that was for him to like give me a hug and to just like be like hey yeah you 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 still belong in the church you still you're you're still loved and i still love you and um i mean i i had been a little because i was scared and because i was anxious i i had honestly not been a very good friend up until that point and so because of that, I had put a lot of strain on our friendship already before that. Mm. And um, instead of telling me like what I wanted to hear, he, he just told me, yeah, I think I need a little bit of space. And um, what, what I initially heard in that, because I was just like in such an emotional state was like, well, everything's over. <laughs> like, um, I was just so remarkably wounded. And it wasn't even necessarily his fault because I, I look back and I think he was right that we did need some of that space to kind of wrestle through some of those things and some of um, that brokenness. But, um, I mean, I, I just didn't know how to wrestle with that at the time because I had never wrestled it with it mm-hmm. uh, with anyone before. And so it actually took me a long time before I was ready to open up to anyone else after that. Um, and what's funny about that is the next time I did open up to someone, which was actually you, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the complete opposite of what had happened in that moment because I, I it wasn't something that I had actually planned on doing. I just felt in the moment like, 
wow, I actually need to talk about this and I think I can trust this person and I'm just going to leave it, leave it in the hands of the Lord. And it went, it was the complete opposite of what happens before that. And so like, um, I told you and you asked me questions and you gave me a big hug and it made me realize like, the experience I had had before that was not going to be the only thing I experienced wrestling with these things in the church. And so, yeah, it, it it's, I would say that that kind of encapsulates what it was like to try and talk about it for the first time. Um, I wish it could be as simple as like, oh yeah, I just opened up to someone and went great, but there's oftentimes a lot of complexity involved in someone telling someone else for the first time. It can be painful, it can be challenging, but at the same time it's necessary. And even if there's brokenness in a relationship, um, I think the biggest thing we can do for people who are kind of opening up for the first time about that is to just have as much grace as we can to love as well as we can, mm-hmm. and to make sure that they do still have a place in the church. Yeah. First off, what an honor, right? That somebody would tell you such an intimate part of, you know, their lives, share something with you. Um, but also, you know, the amount of grace that you extended to me, as I was also trying to figure out how to walk this, you know, through <laughs> with you. Yeah. Because you were actually the first person uh, who I've had this kind of conversation with. It was a buddy in mine in college who, um, you know, he, he also shared with me, you know, what he was going through. And at the time, I felt so immature and so unequipped that it actually burned our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um and again, and again the, the grace of God goes before us so, you know, beyond we can understand and comprehend because um, I think of that time as a preparation, maybe as a preparation to be your friend because God knows, right, maybe, you know, and I have my regrets. All of us do. Yeah. It's okay. Um, him and I still don't. Uh, don't talk based on the way that I think I responded and I acted, which was, you know, just foolish. Um, but then you're kind of like that story of redemption for me where you actually extended to me the opportunity to be the hands and feet, and you can almost say the ears of mm-hmm. Jesus to you, um, even as I didn't really know how to walk that with anybody. So And, and that's... Yeah, that's that's kind of at the essence of it is that like we're we're all we're all broken people. And so we are all making mistakes and making honestly messes of our relationships a lot. Mm-hmm. And like I I love the person that I told for the first time. He is an absolutely wonderful human being mm-hmm. and um like it, it's not it was more my fault than his that that went the way that it did. Mm-hmm. But well, given you didn't know how to do it either. Yeah. And so, so 
what what does it look like to reflect God's grace when we're having these conversations? Not just when someone's telling us for the first time, but when we're talking about this with someone we disagree with mm-hmm. as well. That's right. And so I think that's a, that's a great point. And I mean, for what it's worth, I appreciate you yeah. and kind of the way that you've helped help me walk through some of these things. So yeah. Dude, absolutely. What, um, so I can imagine there's somebody um, behind this kind of microphone uh, that we can't see. But let's say that there's an imaginary person who is in the beginning stages of being willing and able to kind of come out and you know have this conversation with mm-hmm. someone. And let's say that that conversation went terribly wrong. Well, first, let's say that there's like two cases in my mind. The person who is going to take that step for the first time, I want to hear what you would encourage them. What would be your encouragement? And second is the person who has done that the first time and it has gone terribly wrong. Uh, and they're the Indian between of, okay, I still kind of want to talk with somebody about this or more like, I don't ever want to open up about this with anyone ever again. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So what sort of encouragement would you give to both of those cases? Um, you know, that, that, that's going to look different for just about everyone. And so my advice to just about everyone is going to probably look a little different if I'm even in a place to give advice on some of those things sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I would say that if you are really struggling with this, the first thing I would say is to be very patient with yourself um, to and to show yourself a lot of grace, mm-hmm. understanding that it's it's something that's needed, but also that there is a lot of grace present in those situations. Or my prayer is that there would be. Um, and that God has a lot of grace for you in that as well. Um, and so that's the first thing is be patient. And the second thing would be don't, it's okay to be afraid, but also don't let fear of what could happen govern how you approach it um and so in my experience fear can make people very controlling it can make people lash out um and sometimes it can make us do things that hurt other people and and that's terrifying um and so I, i would say that Uh, the biggest part in understanding that is sometimes our first experience is telling someone go great sometimes they go horribly for some people it's easier than others Um, but at the same time whether or not the relationship endures after we tell a person it might terrify us to think like this could we could lose this um Firstly, the fear of losing it, like I said, makes us act in strange ways sometimes. But then secondly, God God is still faithful. And even when we do lose a relationship that we care about, 
even when we lose a relationship we feel like is the hinge of our very lives and existences like god is still there and we're still a part of god's family and that means that we are not going to be as alone as we are inclined to think we are. Mm-hmm. Friendships kind of, friendships do come come and go sometimes. Um, but, and I know that's not much consolation in, in, for, for some people. Um, but I would say the essence of it is putting your faith in God more than having faith in other people mm. it is the essence of what it means to talk about that for the first time mm. having faith in god's goodness and god's faithfulness and god's commands mm. and so um yeah and i think that's the best any of us can do with it that's right that's right well that's uh that goes alongside with giving yourself a lot of grace because you can only do mm-hmm. as best as you can do, really, uh, from the other side, too. You can only listen as best as you can listen. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of grace there to be given. Uh, dude, I wanted to ask you this. What do you, in terms of, like, a, the church's response? Uh, I'd say that there's this odd tension almost there like i said i grew up in an environment where this just wasn't really talked about to begin with and if it was it was from people who didn't who generally it was us versus them which made me feel really weird because i was like am i a part of us or am i a part of them Mm -hmm. um and so that was that was the that was the mentality that affected me a lot growing up. But then also beyond that, um, what was beautiful about talking about it with, with some of the people here at the well um, was how different it was from that. There was a feeling of, I'm welcomed here and I can say that I'm struggling with these things and they they're going to look at me and they're going to say, "Oh, yeah, we're we're here for you cuz we're 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 your family." And so I, I think it's very easy to recognize that we're trying to figure out as Christians, as the church, the universal church, we're still trying to figure out how to respond to that. Um and some some churches do a great job, um local churches. Some do a poor job, and that really just varies depending on where you are. But I would say that overall, it's I think we're beginning to see a paradigm shift where there's a lot more variation in those responses. Mm-hmm. That isn't necessarily reducing the tension, but actually, I would say in a lot of ways, increasing it because we don't we're left feeling like I have absolutely no idea what's happening. So that's kind of been my experience to it and especially opening up to fellow believers where i've gotten virtually every response that you can imagine Mm -hmm. so yeah what do you think is a good way to disagree with people and yet um walk in love um 
Is that a good question? Yeah, that's a that's actually a really good question. Okay. Because I think it governs how we respond to this. Uh, we, we've gotten in a habit, not just with this issue, but with virtually every issue, especially politics, mm-hmm. of just surrounding ourselves with people who agree with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people refer to it as putting ourselves in echo chambers. And as a result, we kind of lose what it means to disagree with people and still love them. And so I, I, I think the biggest element of that is understanding what it means to love another person and understanding what it means to still live in truth and righteousness through that. Mm-hmm. I personally do not believe that this is an issue that we can just like agree to disagree on and we'll all be like, okay, I think we have to kind of hold firm in our convictions on this. And so I, I think that that that's a first step, but it's also the only step a lot of people take where they, they say, we're just going to hammer home the truth on this but it's actually a fragmented version of the truth where it it's that that quickly becomes moralism and so it's the first step but it's not the only step to understand what it means to have like sound biblical convictions on the topic when it comes to agreeing to like not agreeing to disagree, but uh, what it means to love through disagreement. It, it means recognizing that this issue isn't just a moral issue because that reduces it to a concept. This is something that affects people on a deeply personal level. Mm-hmm. We're talking about something that affects human beings created in the image of God. And we're talking about something that a lot of people view as a core part of their identities. And so I think that the first, th- the first thing that we need to realize is that while it's good to hold fast to the truth in this, when we're having conversations with people that we disagree with and trying to love them as, as God loves us, it doesn't start with a moral issue, it starts with the gospel. And I've seen this play out in practice too, where we start with, oh, you're, you're gay, we're going to talk about that first. Instead of starting with, let's actually figure out where we agree and disagree on what the Bible says, on who Jesus is, on what love means. And, and that's that makes it a lot easier to break down some of those differences too. And so I, I think it it secondarily means not starting with the issue of homosexuality and same-sex attraction it it also means that we're not using that to kind of kick people out of the pews as well we're still letting people come into the church so that they can hear the message of the gospel with the understanding that brokenness affects all of our lives that includes sexual brokenness like if we are going to say that we are all broken as people then we have to actually believe that and that has to influence the way that we talk to others. Mm. And so it's easy to look at this and say, oh yeah, uh, this is worse than other things, which 
that opens up a whole can of worms. But it doesn't speak to the fact that we are all broken and that we are all sinners and we are all equally in need of reconciliation to God. We are equally in need of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so that should affect how that plays out in when someone decides, okay, I'm going to take that step and I'm going to go to church. It should play out when, when, when someone tells us that in a conversation or when we go and approach conversations with other people. I, I think that summarizes that there's a lot of different ways that the church can respond to this. Mm-hmm. But I think it's finding that balance between living in righteousness and living in grace. Understanding that those two aren't exclusive to each other, but actually are very important to each other. That should govern our response. In my experience, issues related to our beliefs about sexuality don't exist in isolation Mm -hmm. from the rest of what we believe as Christians. And so usually disagreements over this topic are are rooted in disagreements in what we understand about scripture and what we understand about the gospel. And so we can't expect people necessarily to agree with us on, on those things if we if we start with that. That does kind of mean wrestling with like where what are we doing when we're talking about sin and we're talking about identity. And so I found that in these conversations talking about like where do you find your identity and what do you believe about identity in Christ that that can really steer the conversation in a direction where we're talking more about Jesus and we're talking more about um, heart issues instead of talking about things that might come across as legalistic. Um, Because I'd say that that's been one of the shortcomings in some of how Christians in the church have responded to this is almost like a form of legalism, really looking to a specific action and saying, you shouldn't do this and leaving it at that. That's right. There's no discipleship there. Exactly. It's, It's what, to me, that's what kind of like street preaching is like. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, <laughs> it's really easy to talk to people at a distance. It is. So that's what I feel like uh, discipleship requires of us always is not just to say, "Hey, you at a distance, here's some truth." Boom, dunk it, and then now you go figure out what to do. But rather, the the life, the call of Jesus to make disciples involves. It's almost like a Philippians two passage where it says that the Father did not count equality, sorry, that Jesus did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but rather emptied himself and became less, becoming like us. Um, the Father could yell at us from <laughs> heaven, but he didn't do that. He rather descended, Emmanuel, right? God with us. So the call of discipleship is to be with one another, to get involved in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like you earn the right to be heard instead of just, you can hear me because here's the truth and then you can do whatever 
with that, I'm just going to step away and go do my own thing. And I think that's why it's so hard to, with some of these questions, just provide specific answers because so much of how we approach these things should be relational. Mm. It should be relational. It should be rooted in the gospel, which I've been throwing that term around a lot, but I mean, it just has to be. And it should be rooted in that balance between grace and righteousness. That plays out differently depending on who we're talking to. That plays out differently depending on someone who's had positive experiences with with, with Christians and negative experiences with Christians. Um, I, I read an article at, at one point that said that I think 83% of members of the LGBT community uh, were actually raised in the church mm. and that only a fraction of them left due to theological differences. They left because of feelings of isolation, because they were bullied, because of relational failure, because they didn't see Christians living the way that Jesus calls us to live. And so that that's why the essence of so much of this is what does it mean to love another person? Love isn't just acceptance. Mm. Love isn't just kindness. Love is so much more than that. It's so much richer and deeper. That that's what Jesus's love look, love look looked like. He didn't just go up to sinners and say, "Hey, I'm going to give you a hug and you're loved." He said, "I'm going to love you and I'm going to love you even though nobody else loves you, but I'm also going to call you to live righteously. How, how many people does Jesus tell to go and sin no more? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so the essence of love isn't just acceptance. And I think it's really easy to feel like it is. The essence of love is seeing people be reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. Which and is what the gospel is. That's what, exactly. yeah. And that's that's why so much of what it means to love is to share the gospel. Um, to share that Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross, and it's through believing in Jesus that we are reconciled to God. Um, and so, yeah, that that's why we should always start with that. And that should govern how we how we view what it means to love too. Because um, it's easy to lose the fact that love is not necessarily what we have come to understand it as in our current cultural moment. That's right. Dude, um, I know that we've gone for a long time. I just wanted to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. What's next? What's next for you? Mm-hmm. How have you chosen to walk in this future wise i mean i'm pretty settled on the fact that it, it it's faithful to the lord to be living a life of singleness and so when i when i'm talking about living a life of singleness i'm talking about something that we see described in the new testament as a gift where especially in first corinthians paul talks about how 
both marriage and singleness are gifts in their own respects. And so moving forward into a life of singleness, being challenged in what it means to uh, live a life that honors God in that respect, because I'm constantly struggling with the desire to revert back to relying on my own strength. And every time I do that, I realize how quickly my own strength runs out. I, I, I struggle with desires, and I, I want to be able to say, okay, I'm going to go obey, obey, obey. We can only do that for so long before we realize how much we need God in that. And, and beyond that, recognizing that a lot of elements of that desire, even though my desires are deeply broken, are things that aren't necessarily at their root just bad things that I should never think about. Yes, I believe that applies to sexual and romantic desires, but also I think that you would agree with me when, when I say that a, a big element of desiring a relationship with another human being, because I, I mean, I know you've been married for several years now, it's not just sexual fulfillment, it's also deep emotional intimacy. Mm -hmm. It's being known and knowing someone else. It's being able to pursue God with another person. And so instead of just looking at what I desire and saying, you know, I'm just going to like fight against that with all my will, understanding that I need to be in community when I do that. And that actually some of the things that I desire as someone who is single, which are relational and emo emotional intimacy, mm -hmm. are things that I can find with fellow believers, things that I can find in the church, not on a romantic level, but just as a member of a family, as a member of the body of Christ. And so not struggling alone and then also having this conversation more often with people whether that's someone who's str struggling with it and wants to open up for the first time or someone who has been struggling with it and doesn't really know where to land on it mm -hmm. or even members of our own body who don't know how to approach someone who struggles with it and so i would say that i mean I care about a lot of different things theologically. <laughs> um, and this isn't just the sole extent of like, this is what I devote all my time to thinking about and pursuing in a relationship with Christ. But at the same time, I, I found that I can use my own story as a bridge to vulnerability with other people. Mm -hmm. Because it's, hear me out, it's almost like we're called to be vulnerable and struggle together as believers. <laughs> Shocker. Um, wow, really? Yeah, right? Um, but yeah, and you know, I've got a year left of college. I have no idea what that's going to look like in a lot of ways, but I'm excited and I, I trust that whatever's next, that I, I'm going to, that the Lord's going to be walking right alongside me in it and that he's going to use it to help me grow and help me draw closer to him. Um, Connor, to just to wrap up, is there any last word that you would like to share with uh, 
any student who is listening to this or any person who is listening to this i mean any mm-hmm. any advice any anything that you just like to share i think the essence of what i i really want to share is that the gospel is good news and it's good news for for all it, it's really easy to think about these things and look at them and say it's just demanding so much like I have to give up so much to go follow God um, I, I I don't I didn't give up what I desire just because like it, it's just because of the culture that I'm surrounded by and because I'm surrounded by a bunch of Christians I gave it up because I wholly believe that what I have in God is more valuable, deeper, and more meaningful than, than, than I could find anywhere else. That, I mean, God, God, loves, God loves me more than any person ever could. And that it's out of that love that I'm called to obey what he has told me to do. And understanding that because the gospel is good news, that the gospel is fully sufficient for my needs and my desires as well. That relationship with God and one day perfect union with God is my source of ultimate fulfillment. Not anything else. Not sex, not money, not human relationship, but relationship with God. Nothing else other than that is necessary to live a full and complete life. And so that would be my encouragement. And I think that's just something that has brought me a lot of life as I've wrestled with a lot of things that have been challenging to me Mm -hmm. and to other people. So let's leave it at that. And then also, if you're looking for any good resources to help you guide a response to this topic there are a lot of great resources out there um, if you want a short one and one that has a lot of rich content um, a good place to start is um, Sam Alberry's is God anti-gay if you want some more narrative and to relate to some more personal stories I would recommend Rachel Gilson's born again this way or Jackie Hill Perry's gay girl good God and those three resources are very helpful in kind of learning what it means to navigate some of the theological and relational complexities of this issue. Well, thanks for tuning in. And, um, you know, I hope that this episode uh, is helpful. If you have any questions or comments or, you know, would like to, you know, just get in conversation with Connor, um, you can send us an email at college at the well, So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.